shot Martinez, saves Hammond. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. Close and great shot Martinez, saved made by Cam Talon. And here come the Oilers, two on one to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dryson awaits. There's the center pass. Left timer scores. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. If you have an appetite for destruction, you've come to the right place. You can use your illusion tonight. Maybe we'll even talk about the spaghetti incident. How's it going, everybody? Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, maybe you're on your way to Commonwealth Guns and Roses tonight. I know I'm going uh, after the program. Apparently, they're playing for something like three hours. So uh, I, I'm probably going to miss an hour, and I still might get uh, what would be a full concert for most bands. Guns and Roses in town tonight as we start off with Welcome to the Jungle. I'm Reed Wilkins. Patrick Bauer is the maestro playing the tunes on the other side of the window. Patrick, first of all, uh, good to see you. And uh, we'll start off tonight. I, I, I would say Welcome to the Jungle has to be at or near the top of the list in terms of most played at sporting events, especially at the opening uh, face-off, tip-off, kick-off, whatever you want to call it, first pitch. That's got to be one of the most used songs. Uh, I mean, Machine Head by Bush has to be up there. Crazy Train has to be up Those would have to be the top three that you hear pretty much in every rink, every demographic, Every sport, Thunderstruck, I suppose, would be up there. So, well, I'm probably missing some. People can text six thirty, six thirty. But what comes, what comes to your mind uh, for you, the? You pretty much nailed all of them. Um, Wooly Bully, I found, got played a lot. <laughs> Wooly Bully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably in 1966. Yeah, well, that's when I grew up, Reed. <laughs> back when you were a lad. Back when Edmonton didn't extend above 132nd Avenue. <laughs> it, it was a three-day horse ride to St. Albert. Eye of the Tiger? That's a big one. I don't know. I play Oh, for... Eye of the Tiger's a big one. Yeah. yeah, that's that's still a big one. Money City Maniacs. You know that one? Yeah, Slow. that one's because it starts with the siren, gets it gets people yeah. going for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's 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 a good one as well. As big a Def Leppard fan I am, I they don't I don't know if they really have one. No really jock anthem kind of. Yeah, and one with that you? intro that sort of has uh has the 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 big uh the big energy to it coming in uh coming in right off the top uh, i mean uh, yeah i mean i guess sometimes you hear pour some sugar played but it's more right into the and it's usually yeah. during a commercial break and more into the chorus to get people singing along not really not, off the hop to nothing jump says the sports about having sugar like having sugar poured on you of course <laughs> it's uh it's six ten. it's it's uh six ten tonight uh oh wow the the, the text line is lighting up by that, I mean four of our 14 listeners have already texted the show. Must be nothing on TV. No, this is good. We've forgotten stuff uh, right now. Right Now by Van Halen. 
I don't know if we hear that as much as we did in the 90s, but we, you still hear that sometimes. Because uh, when that was on uh, their album For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, I will not say the acronym. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> well, that was the name of the album, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. People can, you, you kids out there, don't write it down. As uh, Snickers endure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of guys my age in their early 40s like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was clever. Because uh, that was, what, 95 that, that came up. That, that, sure, that was a pretty big... Stoffer likes that one. He loves Right Now by, by Van. And that's more of the subdued, but the keyboards, you know, building the energy a little bit. I, I, I can't believe we forgot this one. Couple people texting this one in. Kickstart my heart by oh, Motley Crue. Uh, yeah, yeah, we forgot about that. That yeah. one often gets played to get the crowd going or uh, off the top of show. Enter Sandman by Metallica. Yeah, yeah. I'd say maybe, maybe not as much as some of the other ones we've talked no, about. But you still, not. you still hear that. That's been a mainstay. Uh, Cotton Eye Joe says Mark. LOL. Only at the former Coliseum. You still hear Cotton Eye oh, Joe yeah. sometimes. That's a real barn burner. That one. Yeah. yeah. It is. A, it is a pretty energetic tune. I'll yeah. give it. I'll, uh, I'll. I'll give it that. Isn't it? It isn't just the same lyric over and over again. Like More this or less, pretty much yeah. same. There's a bit of a tale in there, but uh, you know, it's not. It's not a yeah, Johnny it's Cash. A, it's a bit of a story song. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's the classic story song. <laughs> uh, you text six thirty six thirty. We do have a phone number. 780-496-0063. The email, inside sports at 630ched.com, and you can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. Uh, let's get rocked, somebody. But they, here's the thing. So, somebody's trying to appease me, finding a Def Leppard song that gets played. They put, let's get rocked. With, it's got a question mark. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of that one, Reed? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's not bad. Uh, Sweet Caroline. If you've ever been to yes. the Fenway Park thing, kind of. Now, that, now, you would not play that at the beginning of a game. That one gets played more during a commercial break, you know, a two-minute break where fans uh, fans can sing along. So I, I guess with the Welcome to the jungle, jungle theme, I was thinking at the beginning of a game, half or period, or at a point where you want the fans to get pumped up for the home team. Running with the Devil by Van Halen. Wow, that's going back. Oh, that's yeah. got a good intro. That's a good one. Black Ain't, Ain't talking about love's Black another Betty. one. What's that? Black Betty, Ram Jam. Oh, yeah. So there we go. We got a solid list of 15. I think so. We could put out our own CD, sell it on KTEL. Jock Jams, 2017. Yeah. yeah, like the you'd buy you'd buy Jock Jams for ten dollars, but then you'd get twenty CDs for a penny. Man, so it'd be a pretty good deal. Be, we mail you <laughs> one every week. Yeah, we'll mail. Well, <laughs> well what a month. We'll mail you. We'll, month. we'll mail you a CD every month. It's got to be some blank CDs in in uh, Halsey's office. <laughs> Just burn handwritten <laughs> Jock Jams. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no we'll, two are alike. We'll burn you a CD. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks for all the text. Uh, we'll, we'll read those in and out throughout tonight. That'll be an ongoing theme, like we had Edmonton High School sports rivalries on the show uh, last night. In a few minutes, we're going to connect with Gene Principe. By the way, the Blue Jays are leading the Red Sox 1-0 in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, obviously, uh, Rogers broadcasts all the uh, NHL games. Uh, they do obviously put some on, on CBC through the deal with Hockey Night in Canada. They did specify which specific channels the Oilers games are going to be on this season. You can go to the Sportsnet website. Uh, I can tell you 15 times on Hockey Night in Canada for the Oilers, four times on uh, Sunday on Rogers Hometown Hockey, 37 of the Oilers' 82 games will be on uh, national television. All right, it's 6.14. We'll take a quick timeout, and then we'll go to the north side of Edmonton. Gene Principe when we get back.
This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, so Patrick didn't tell me what song he was going to play, and he's like, I, I don't know, Jalen and Andrew didn't know it, so I wonder if you know. This is obviously You Could Be Mine from Terminator 2. Thank you. The theme song from the movie. And Andrew yeah. said, oh, that must be from one of your video games, implying that I'm a young what? man who plays only video games. When this song came out, I was six years old. And I don't think bands write songs specifically for video game soundtracks. Has that ever happened? I don't think so, no. Uh, Guns N' Roses obviously did uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door for Days of Thunder. They did You Could Be Mine for uh, Terminator 2. And they covered Live and Let Die, which was the uh, Paul McCartney Wings song from the Bond movie, Live and Let Die. But they did two, I think just the two songs specifically for movies. Anyway, Guns N' Roses tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, Song 2 by Blur, Peter says on the uh, text line. Yes, that's often played uh, at sporting events. We Will Rock You for Sure by Queen. The opening of Jump by Van Halen still gets played quite a bit. All good. You can text 630-630. Gene Principe covers the Edmonton Oilers for Sportsnet. They're carrying all the Oilers games on TV this season. Gene, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Reed, I'm doing good. The summer's coming to an end, my friend. Days are getting shorter. Nights are getting a little cooler. And before you know it, we'll be hanging out. Actually, we drove by Roger's Place today with my daughter, and she's like, geez, I haven't looked at Roger's Place for months. And I think that's the case for... uh, you know, for many people, if, if they weren't there for, you know, the, the Connor McDavid signing they and they don't work downtown, they don't see it for a while. And then we'll come back to it uh, in September. You know, I, and I, I got to tell you, I, I printed off uh, 50 uh, black and white Gene Principe photos to leave with your family and friends. So they remember what you look like during the season because uh, you're going to be traveling so much. So I, th- I thought that would be helpful. <laughs> That is that is a nice touch. Yeah, I I think that uh, you know I totally forget. You know, as many years as I've been doing it, and it'll be I think this is year nineteen, I believe. I I, I always forget just uh, the workload is part of it, but just everything that goes with it, the amount of time you spend in the rink and traveling and hotels and planes and all that kind of stuff. Because my non hockey life is just. Like, I'm, like, not quite a hermit, but I just, I like to lay low. I like to stay home. I don't want to go on a plane unless I have to. Like, it's just total opposite, which I guess kind of, you know, makes sense. If you do something a lot at work, whatever it is, then when you're not working, you're trying to do the opposite. Well, and it's funny because I interviewed Chris Russell a couple of days ago, and I, I, you know, I said, how's your summer been? And he goes, well, I don't really travel because I fly all winter, so the thought of getting on another plane or planes and <laughs> going somewhere uh, in the off-season, I, I guess, isn't uh, isn't high on his prior- priority list, which, which you can sort of understand for sure. Um, the, do you, what's your favorite city to go to? I, I mean, look, I'll preface it by this. I, I know Chicago, Montreal, uh, New York are kind of the favorites, so maybe maybe give me one other uh, city other than the, the, those three classics, or maybe a bit of a uh, an underdog or a wild card that you enjoy visiting during the year. Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, I think an uh, an underdog used to be Nashville. I mean, in some ways, uh, apart from the country music, which I, I I'm not at. I don't dislike country music, but I don't listen to it enough to maybe make my own personal trip to Nashville uh, if I wasn't working around the hockey team. Um, 
I, that used to be it, but I don't think we can call that an underdog in any way, shape, or form in hockey or music uh, anymore. I mean, I, I like I like Anaheim, um, Palm Trees, Sunshine, and I always think back, Craig McTavish, 2006, and I know we don't have to reference that anymore because they were in the playoffs in 2017, but they were in that series with Anaheim. They'd gone two rounds already and led uh, that series 2-0 and were kind of heading into games three and four. And I just remember him saying, man, you get down here and the sunshine and the palm trees and the stress just feels like just it's leaving your body and you just feel relaxed. And if you're not stuck on a huge, you know, on a highway and some huge traffic jam, I find Anaheim to just be nice, you know, and and relaxing. As long as you're also not staying on uh, Disneyland Avenue where there's uh, (laughs) tens of thousands of screaming kids and parents chasing after them with Mickey Mouse ears. Have you ever been one of those parents that didn't point in your life i we have brought our kids to disneyland and we've brought our kids to disney world but we've never when they were quite a bit younger so we've never done the you know the the four nights or three days four nights type pass where you just literally hang out at the resort or on the resort we have not done that we have brought them and i think uh, soon we want to bring them where we i don't know if i'm ever going to want to do that fully but at least spend a little bit more time there all right, Gene Principe from Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Of course, uh, you can go to the uh, Sportsnet website. They've given the the, the details uh, of what channel all the Oilers games are going to be on. Of course, we know that Rogers uh, has the uh, te- television broadcast rights for uh, for all the Oilers games. I, I guess, Gene, the 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 story that could have been lingering got wrapped up uh, when Drysaddle committed to the long-term contract. Uh, I thought maybe it would go into September, but probably be done by by training camp. I mean, it's it's been an interesting summer because you know there's always the draft. Certainly, the Eberly trade was big news. But, the, I mean, relative to past years, and we all know the, the decade of darkness as it's been dubbed, this has been a pretty stable and quiet summer for the team, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. I mean, last summer, and even the Eberle trade, it kind of like you jogged my memory. Oh, yeah, right, they traded Jordan. Like, it just seems like that was a long time ago. And for a big trade, um, and it happened, I think, the day after the Vegas Awards. So there was a little bit of a – people were still sort of – dealing with that and then the draft and they kind of snuck in this this trade but it's certainly you know when you look back to the summer before and, and the trading of hall and the signing of lucic uh that was uh you know a lot more of a gigantic boom uh compared to one trade of a guy who i think so many people were talking about it whether that was justified or not whether you, you know, Peter Shirley obviously was talking about it as well because he made the deal. But the Taylor Hall thing was a little bit out of the blue because, if I remember correctly, there was some talk about, you know, they need to change those $6 million men. They might have one of them on the move. But I think Taylor might have been the least expected to go. And also for that one-for-one deal, that caught people off guard. Uh, then the Lucic signing for long term. So there was there was a lot more on the go, but they were really kind of cultivating uh, what they had into what's turned into, uh, you know, I keep hearing and reading, read, and how many people stop you uh, when you're at the Italian center shop getting a nice sandwich, right? <laughs> getting ready to have a nice mortadella prosciutto sandwich or maybe a nice pizza at Vivo Ristorante or wherever you're going. People go, hey, what do you think of the season? What do you think of the season? What do you think of it? You know, everyone wants to talk about the season now. So, 
that just tells you that everyone's excited about what to expect after, you know, being what a goalie crease call away from potentially being in the conference final. Gene, the other team, Eskimos, uh, pretty good first half of the season. Yeah. Tough game last Friday. The Calgary home and home coming up. Uh, it was funny last night on the show because I put out to everybody, uh, give me the best uh, high school rivalry in the city, and I got some because I, as you know, I didn't grow up here, so I, you know, I'm not totally familiar with the high school sports scene and maybe some of the long-standing uh, uh, bad blood. And, and I, then I had people from rural areas. One guy said he hated Balf when he was in high school. So I had a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, what, 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 no, you're, what, what, what was your high school, and did you guys have a chief sports rival? And I'll preface this by saying high school was a while ago for both of us. So you're yeah. you're, you're 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 totally accurate yet muddy memories. Yeah, yeah the '80s called. They want their diploma right. back. Uh, yeah. I graduated in 1984, so it's uh, I always get a kick out of these kids walking around with you know grad of 2008 or something. You're thinking, are you kidding me? Like really? Uh, you know, for us back then, uh, for soccer, it was St. Joe's versus O'Leary. Uh, in those days, like I go back and look at the soccer photos uh, from the 80s. I was at St. Joe's. My son was playing a basketball tournament there. And first off, those teams were, oh, 80 to 90 percent Italians. Like it was just all Italian guys um, and uh, lots of beautiful, cheesy mustaches. And I would say in, in soccer, it was it was mostly O'Leary, I think, because then the demographics there were a lot of uh, Italians and a lot of the ethnic people. It was kind of one or the other on the north side. Those were sort of the two big Catholic schools. So you were, you were going to O'Leary or you were going to St. Joe's. And so I think that just translated into the sports team. So I would say those two uh, would be the big ones. You know, as, as it turns out, uh, my two kids didn't go to O'Leary that are currently in high school, not because of that, but they decided to go uh, a different route. But I know a number of people that are at O'Leary and, you know, it's a great school. And, you know, great soccer academy and sports academy. So, yeah, now it's not a, a rival for me. But back then, I think it was just something you, you bought into when you entered the school that your rival, especially in soccer, was O'Leary. All right. Awesome stuff. Hey, before I let you go, non-sports related, uh, Karen Principe, what is it? Is it, What is yeah. this? Is, this is your yeah. is this your wife that's running for council? Yes. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, my wife, Karen Principe, um, at Elect Principe on Twitter, uh, has a Facebook account, Karen Principe Ward 3 candidate, and electprincipe.ca is her website, is running for city council. Uh, I think, uh, you know what, here's what I know. She's, you know, and you're going to get this from any, any spouse of, of a candidate, but she's she's been a fantastic mother been a great wife and to put up with me and my puns and to put up with my decades of traveling and to move her from a couple of different cities to Edmonton and she's always wanted to to help people and and uh, this is a way for her to to try and make an impact it, it is cliche but you got to kind of scratch through the core to actually see if underneath that people are what you say they are and what they say they are and I think that's the case for my wife. So she's running in Ward 3, which is uh, kind of a 66th Street to 127th Street, 144th Avenue, up to the Anthony Handay. 
uh, that's kind of just without going into too many details. That's kind of the approximate area. And she, yeah, she wants to, she wants to be on city council. And so I'm, I'm her campaign manager. So we're, we're both doing our best at understanding what a campaign involves and reaching out and speaking to people and going to events and knocking on doors and putting up signs and all those things I never thought I'd do till my wife said, I want to run for city council. So I feel like I owe her for all the stuff she's done for me and my family and now I'm trying to pay her back. Well, incredible. That's uh, that sounds like that's uh, it's going to be a pretty fun venture for sure. Hey, Gene, it's always great to have you on the show. And yeah, we're approaching the point where uh, we're going to be seeing each other, uh, seeing each other daily, and and never getting sick of each other. So that's going to be cool. Thanks, buddy. Ne- never with you, Reed. Thanks, Gene. Gene Principe checking in tonight. Edmonton legend covers the Oilers on Sportsnet, and we got a text there. O'Leary Senior Girls Soccer 2017 City Champs. Still going strong, Gene. I'm sure Gene will be happy to hear that. Hey, Kelly Rudy wrote a book. He's coming up in the next half hour. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, you've had to have a little patience with the Eskimos' injuries this season. GM Brock Sunderland was on the show last night and had uh, this comment about the banged-up Eskimos. We have some players that we're anticipating being back. We're hopeful, but as you said, every day things change, and, and we've gone into the game weeks where we're down to the final rep on our last full goal practice, and guys have gotten hurt. So. I'm not going to indicate who the players are or, or where they're at, but yeah, we're we're hopeful that some of these key cogs are coming back, and and we're hoping they can be out there on Monday for sure. All right, Monday Eskimos at Stampeders. We have it for you on 6:30, Chad. 11:30 in the morning for the countdown to kick off. The game starts at 11, and uh, even though it's Labor Day, we'll have a, a brand new live edition of Inside Sports 6 to 8 Monday night. So that'll be fun. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6:36. Blue Jays in a 1-1 tie with the Red Sox. That game in uh, the bottom of the fifth. Don't forget Huskies Wildcats Prairie Football Conference Sunday 1 p.m. Clark Park Huskies 3-0 Wildcats bit of a tougher start they are 0-3 but it's always a good showdown when the two Edmonton teams meet we're going to bring in Kelly Rudy this half hour he joins us once a week uh, during the uh, NHL season he will be back this year and he's got a book coming out so we'll talk to him about that but we got an open line call here from John at 780-496-0063 hi John hi Reed good to have you back oh thanks yeah that's, uh, it's really nice I enjoyed that the first couple of days of your show uh, where you had the experts on, you know, i got to tell you, the only way I can rationalize this stuff with the Eskimos is to use a little reverse psychology. Okay. Like, we could be 0-9, and nine, Reed. You know, like, the first five games, BC was close, then the Eastern teams. I thought the best game we played was the fifth game against BC again. Yep. And... Mike Riley has was he was lights out. He he somehow got us through game six and seven, and then injuries to the offensive line, injuries to the defensive line, and we're playing third and fourth and fifth string guys. I mean, you know, 
uh, I think we just got to be really, really thankful that they played as well as they did while they were shifting everybody around. Uh, I think the hardest thing to do in coaching is to keep a positive attitude when everything's going the other direction. And I, I would have given Jason Moss a 12 out of 10. I didn't quite understand how you use your coaching judgment story, but, but I think he's been amazing. And so, uh, yeah, I'd give him a 12 out of 10. I'd give Mike Riley a 12 out of 10. And when you look at the schedule, we got two with Calgary, a game with Argos, and then a bye week. And so by the end of September, hopefully we'll have some guys back, and and that's the part where it starts to really count. So. Well, and you know, I think, and again, like Brock said, and as he mentioned, the it happened to the Eskimos this year. It, it does happen to teams. They've had guys get hurt on the last play at practice, the last practice before the game. But I, I think that it, you know, it sounds like, and we'll see when they get on the field tomorrow. But I think there's optimism about Bowman, and, and you know, Konar could be back at some point. So those are two guys who, uh, who would obviously really help. And, and I do think the coaches uh, have done a pretty good job, but. I, I, Phil Allen, man, the late great Phil Allen knew him, knew him when he coached basketball in Lloyd, and he, he said, "If you, he said you can always you can always be tough on coaches if you need someone to be tough on." So I got to honor his his uh, his memory that way. Now, uh, John, do you have a connection to Randy Ambrosi, the new commissioner? What's the story there? He's a good. He's on the good side of the family. I'm one quarter Ambrosi. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, he grew up in Winnipeg. My mom was from Winnipeg. Uh, and we're just really proud of him. You know how families go read. There's some guys you're really proud of and others not so much. <laughs> 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 anyway, he has just been a total contrast to Mr. Orange, who was just hopeless for two years. And you know what a treat. I mean, overnight he fixes the challenge rule. He gets the T-shirts out right away. He's not waiting to the fall because there's a, something that's really, really current. And then he drives and talks to the Tiger Cats <laughs> and, and just stops the lunacy there. I mean, what is going on in Hamilton? you got to think, holy cow. Well, you know, and, and I think that's the one thing I like about Ambrosi is I, I think he realizes that when you're, when you're at the top of a, of a business that's, you know, still a pretty big business when you look at it, um, you know, things always change and, and you can't be passive. And I think he's willing to step in and say, look, I think this can be better. And then he's willing to look at that again in, in six months or a year and say, could this, could it be now even better? And I, and I think that's what he looked at with the challenges. And, and, you know, you probably heard Mike Hogan tell the story last night, how he just told Glenn Johnson, you know, fix it. We're not waiting yeah. to the halfway point. We're I'm not going to review it in the off season. Man. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Hamilton thing, uh, I mean, you know, I, I know some people have said, well, why didn't he step in sooner? I, I don't know when he knew about that. And ultimately, Hamilton can hire who they want, I suppose. But but I, I think that that needed to be, uh, I think that was a good time for him to, to step in because I think he realizes the, the league is trying to send a message uh, about diversity, like you mentioned, and and if you want those T-shirts to mean something more than just T-shirts, uh, you got to back it up. So yeah, I think he's done a uh, he's done a good job so far, and hopefully he continues to be an active commissioner. Because sometimes when when leagues get criticized, it's because they kind of become that they ha- get that oh well, it's not that bad, or well, it's not our problem. Well, I think Randy realizes anything that happens in the league is his problem, and he wants to do something about it. So yeah, no, so far so good for him. But he's everywhere. He just—he's there. He's talking to people. 
he's checking out stuff. He's talking to fans, and so yeah, I just uh, and and it's not an easy job to get the nine board of directors all going in the same direction. You know? Well, I don't know if he has that, but he may have delivered the message that a five-four vote will publicly be a nine-nothing vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> John, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks for lot, calling in tonight. Enjoy the Labor Day game, okay? Yeah, you bet. Go ahead. Right on. That's John checking in. Uh, big Eskimos fan, big CFL fan. Always enjoy talking to him at 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. All right. Uh, also, I was mentioning the Huskies and Wildcats, FC Edmonton playing uh, at North Carolina on Saturday. They're doing much better in the fall season than they did in the spring season. In fact, they're third in the NASL, so they'll try to track down top spot, which gets them an automatic berth uh, into the playoffs. So we'll follow them, too. Kelly Rudy uh, has a book coming out. And no, it's not large font and pictures. It's a, it's an actual book. He's going to join us next, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. There's a classic intro for you. I, I'm betting they'll play that one tonight. Uh, I just got a text from my my buddy who I'm meeting at, at the concert. Our Lady Peace has taken to the stage. Oh. Apparently they did a new song. Yeah, they got a new album coming out. And I heard yeah. their new song, and it sounds like Chili Peppers to me, like the Red Hot oh, Chili interesting. Peppers. The bass is a little different. Interesting. Well, I didn't mind uh, some of the Our Lady Peace stuff. First, well, couple, first, first couple albums. Sometimes we play Starseed coming back from break, don't oh, we? Oh, yeah, we do. That's a great one. Yeah, that is a good one. Interesting voice, old Rain Maida. Is he still married to Chantel Kreviatsuk? Krevi- as is far as his, I know. Is that her name? Did I say it right? I think you nailed it. I think. Well, I could have made a joke there, but I won't. 1 yeah. 1 <laughs> <laughs> Toronto and Boston. That's Major League Baseball. It's in the uh, top of the sixth. Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, analyst for the NHL on Rogers. Happy to welcome him back to the program. Kelly, how are you doing? Oh, boy, Reed. Fantastic. I've had a great summer. Uh, my wife and I, I think I've told you before, we love golfing together, so we had. Uh, Pretty much the entire month of July out at Predator Ridge, just outside Vernon. I was lucky enough because my brother and his wife and two of their boys were able to come out and join us for some time. And then uh, we went on a big family vacation. So my wife and I took all three of our daughters, including our son-in-law and uh, two other partners, uh, to Europe for 16 nights because our family's changing and uh, ages are different and it's going to be really difficult down the road uh reed to have another family vacay like this so and the best news of all we uh we're happy to announce that uh, my wife and i are going to be grandparents in the new year and so we've had a wonderful summer well well congratulations that, that's awesome news that uh we're going to have uh, grandpa yeah. kelly on inside sports of the new year and uh, that's uh, <laughs> no, no uh no you gotta i don't know if you can give me a cole's notes because brendan ulrich in our sports department went to europe uh in early july and had a great time can, can you give me uh, the the roster of the countries or a highlight yeah, for sure. So uh, my wife and youngest daughter, Caitlin, they plan the entire thing. So for me, it was the most stress-free trip I've ever had. Uh, we went off to Amsterdam, then to Berlin, then to Prague, then to Nice, and finished off in Rome. So we hit a whole bunch of the uh, the major spots 
uh, overseas and man alive we were busy we had activities and uh, excursions almost uh, every day well 14 of the 16 days we had events planned so it was, it was marvelous all right and i assume you were constantly recognized in public by european hockey fans or <laughs> <laughs> it did surprisingly on occasion happen over there but uh, i guess that's a good thing about our growing game and the popularity of it yeah, for sure. Well, that sounds awesome. Sounds like you've had a great summer. Uh, we're counting down, obviously, to the start of training camps and the new yeah. year. And you're counting down to uh, the release of your book on October 24th. It's called Calling the Shots. Uh, you know, I, I have a standard question. I ask anybody who wrote a book, right. why? Where where'd the where'd the idea come from? Where did you think, hey, man, maybe, maybe I got enough stuff here to put down some few pages on sure. paper? You know what? Uh, I had to answer this question a couple days ago because uh, prior to that, uh, I, I never really thought about that uh, question. And to me, um, I think that because I had been offered many times before an opportunity to write a book, and I even actually got started on my own. Uh, the last lockout, uh, we had lots of time in our hands, so I, I sat down at my desk and started writing out a number of different chapters, uh, events in my life that sort of affected me. And I think from that point on, when I kind of, the project kind of got stalled because I became so busy again, is that I think when you look back on it, why was the time right now? I think it's because you become, in age, you become more reflective and sort of you look back, I think, with a clearer vision. And maybe that's why I never really felt like the time was right. When I retired from the game, I guess I was 37 years old. And to some people listening, that might be old enough to, to have clarity and to have some sort of uh, clear perspective on things. But I don't know if I did. And I'm quite an emotional person. So I think I just needed the passage of time to sort of put it all in perspective, how it sort of shaped my life. Did it have lasting impact? Was I, you know, was I just emotional at the time? And it, it seemed to have a greater influence on maybe a situation or or on my life in general. And so for me, I really felt the older I was, maybe the wiser I was, and I was able to sort of look at things with a different perspective. Is this going to be um, a, a generally humorous book? Uh, or are there going to be maybe some very candid behind-the-scenes moments where uh, you talk about maybe maybe where you were a little more vulnerable or 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 um, you know the some of the tough things you dealt yeah. for us. How how would you describe the the tone? I, I hope it's a, a nice uh, uh, smatter. I guess uh, yeah. I don't know how to put it. Just a, a nice overall view of what I've gone through in my life. So I hope there's some humor um, that people look at what I thought was kind of funny and they get the same sort of reaction, but. More than anything, Reed, I think it's, it's just an open, honest reveal about uh, things that I went through. And, and a lot of it is I'm pretty hard on myself. So um, I, I, there is some conflict in the book. But, you know, when I kind of really reassess it, the guy that I'm most hard on the book you're talking to right now. So there are situations that I went through that maybe I didn't handle them as well as I should have. Like I said, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy. And uh, so I, I, I look inside of myself a lot. And because I, I think time gives you that opportunity to say, you know, 
okay, when I went through this, I blamed this other person. And now looking back upon it, maybe I had more of an influence in that situation that I, I first recognized. And, and then other times when you go, no, you know what, that guy was just, he, he didn't handle it well. And I kind of got in his way and our relationship took a hit. So I'm really honest about that's the one thing I, I like to be. Um, and I think you see that in my television as well, but I'm just pretty honest, and I think that's the the safest way to go. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Again, the memoir is called Calling the Shots. Kelly writing it with Kirsty McClellan Day. It's going to be out on October 24th, so there's one to, to look forward to. And uh, I, I, some people are, might hate me for saying this, but don't forget Christmas is coming too. So remember that when the book comes out. Uh, <laughs> Kelly. Um, Thank uh, you for that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no problem, buddy. Hey, a couple other quick hitters for you here. Uh, I, I was talking uh, rivalries a lot on Inside Sports last night and we're going to probably continue to do that over the next week and week and a half because we got the uh, Eskimo Stampeders home and home coming up and what a showdown uh, that should be they're both already at seven wins on the season I I mean you were uh, part of Islanders Rangers you were part of Kings Oilers when when things were pretty heated you obviously played in the Western Hockey League where you might I mean you probably played teams 12 14 wow. times a season when you were yeah, in the w, yeah. WHL is there is there a rivalry or, or a period maybe you were with a team where there was really that other team you hated a lot for sure and I'm glad you brought up the Western Hockey League because uh, when you're growing up and you're just playing minor hockey you don't really I don't think form any of those rivalries, and, and they certainly don't seem as important to you. But when I moved away from Edmonton to the Hat and uh, started playing in 1978 in the Western Hockey League, that was my first real taste of how bitter a rival can be. And to us in Medicine Hat, it was certainly Lethbridge, and it was also the Calgary Wranglers at the time. So then when I moved into the pro ranks, I didn't really feel the same sort of thing in the minors, maybe Indianapolis uh, against Salt Lake because they're a pretty good team as well. But it was uh, when I moved to the big time and I was playing for the Islanders and the hatred between the Islanders fan base and the New York Rangers fan base uh, was enormous. You could really feel it. And you as a player could hardly contain your enthusiasm for those games. We also had a a real healthy rivalry with uh, the Philadelphia Flyers because I bet everybody did at the time and the Washington Capitals of course with the Sir Epic mixed in there and LA there's no question we had it with the Edmonton Oilers but there it was pretty heated you still think of when Gretzky played for the Oilers and the rivalry that they had with Calgary so with us we still had that now with Wayne and Calgary Vancouver kind of grew on us but those were always my favorite games when and I've said this many times with you on the air. When there's hatred among the athletes, the fans are the beneficiaries because they should get a pretty good game then. Yeah, that's for sure. And I know sometimes, uh, you know, fans from the 80s will say, well, it's not quite the same, right? It's not quite, it's not quite the same. Guys share agents and golf together in, uh, in, in the summer. It's funny, some of those Flames and Oilers say they didn't speak and get to know each other as people till, uh, till after yeah. they were retired. So th- I always find that pretty interesting. Okay, last one, Kelly. Um, the Oilers got McDavid and Dreisaitl locked up. They did trade Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom. Uh, they signed UC Jokinen, who's going to come in for, as, as a bit of a depth forward and probably help uh, with some special teams. But they, you know, of all the summers, 
This was a relatively quiet one for the Oilers, and uh, you know you hope there's going to be some stability and continuity. Uh, right move, wrong move, or somewhere uh, in between by the team to just kind of hold steady in a lot of areas. Oh, I think it's the right move. I think it's really important right now with the season they had last year, give them a chance to grow now again. And uh, let's see how they challenge themselves. And then if you have to mix it up a little bit again, you can. But I think this is a really important growth uh, season for the Oilers. Just to see, again, you're always trying to read your players. Where are they mentally when they come back and so on? And so the start of this season will be really important for uh, Todd McClellan and his staff to get a real good read on how these guys prepared and uh, if they're true professionals. I expect they're going to pass every test myself, but uh, right now I think this is a good time to let them take some more ownership of it. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I know you see on Twitter people uh, tweeting out the, the countdown to the opening face-off and all the predictions for McDavid's points and possible trophies. So yeah. we look forward to that. Kelly, we look forward to having you on again during the season. And again, your book, Calling the Shots, out October 24th. We'll talk more about that closer to the date. Enjoy the uh, final couple of weeks of your break, man. I look forward to having you on the show down the road. Okay, I appreciate it, Reed. Uh, have a great summer yourself or fall, I guess. Yeah, will do. Thanks a lot, Kelly. Kelly Rudy checking in tonight. More from him once we get into the CF or CFL into the NHL regular season. We're in the middle of the uh, CFL regular season. We'll talk a little bit about that with Global's Kevin Carius. He's going to drop in in the next hour, and you'll meet a Canadian cyclist. In fact, the Canadian road race champion who's set for the Tour of Alberta, Matteo Dalsin, coming up inside sports on Chet. 